Hello, and welcome back to the fourth episode of The Tea. I'll be covering news from the week of February 8th. So this week we're going to talk about just a couple things. So first, of course, is McGill's big announcement regarding opening up Tier 2 activities on campus. And I'm speaking to my fellow news editor, Kate Addison, about this rollout. And then the second one is an interesting uh, development coming out of the Faculty of Music, so Schulich. Uh, and it's about some students who have alleged that COVID-19 safety protocols were not properly followed during a recent rehearsal. It is interesting to see some of the fallout from this new policy already, but we'll get the details on that later on. So as always, I'm your host, Sequoia Kim, and you can reach me at the email news at mcgilltribune.com. All right, so getting right into it, tier two activities. So in a somewhat unexpected move, McGill announced that it would begin rolling out tier two in-person academic activities as early as February 8th, which is the week that you are hopefully listening to this podcast. So some of these activities uh, might include things like tutorials, seminar courses, conference sections, and possibly some laboratory activities or even smaller lectures. And it is important to note, these are not mandatory. They do not make up any sort of compulsory part of a course. It's pretty much just optional, an option to be on campus if you do find yourself in the Montreal area. And the government cited concern for students' mental health as a driving reason behind loosening these restrictions and, and, and you know, gradually implementing these policies. Following the announcement, my fellow news editor Kate Addison reached out to the administration to EXEM, which is the Association of Graduate Students Employed at McGill, basically a union for TAs and invigilators at McGill. And she also reached out to some students to gather their reactions on the rollout. So alongside the gradual rollout of academic activities that I just described, McGill also mentioned that there would be a mandatory mask policy. Could you tell me a bit about what that is going to look like? Up until now, McGill has had like a face covering policy. So when you're inside shared spaces on McGill's campuses, you need to have some form of face covering. Now um, they've updated it. So you need to have a procedural mask on, which is like essentially like those blue disposable masks that you see everywhere. McGill will provide that for you if you don't have one. So when you enter a building, um, there will be masks provided or you have your own procedural mask. And that goes for all staff, all students, basically anyone on McGill's campuses. McGill made it very clear that these activities are optional and definitely not compulsory, but I'm still left wondering whether TAs, professors, and other instructors are also given that chance to opt out of teaching and administering those in-person activities? You know, when I spoke to the administration, I asked that question and the answer I got was a little bit vague, to be honest with you. This isn't like the start of McGill having in-person activities. I believe it's about 3,000 people on McGill's campuses each day, actually, for research or other academic related activities, which I know is a lot of people kind of shocking. So basically, there's already a policy in place for professors or anyone else who might need to be on campus where if they have health concerns or they don't feel comfortable, they are able to opt out, to my knowledge. But then in regards to TAs in particular, who previously have been teaching online or um, haven't been interacting with students in person, they are also able to opt out of this new teaching in person. But one thing that I did 
discuss with some of the AgSAM leaders, for lack of a better term, that unfortunately McGill's policies regarding what constitutes a medical excuse is a bit limited. So basically that means if you are at a medical risk, you don't have to come to campus to teach. However, that doesn't apply if you live with people who might be immunocompromised. So unfortunately, that leaves some TAs a little bit at risk. But Kate, you interviewed AGSEM, which is the Association of Graduate Students Employed at McGill. And you also interviewed a student who sat to participate in an in-person conference. And you got their reaction to the policy. So I'll start with AGSEM. Did they, in addition to what you just mentioned about that policy, did they have anything else to say about the policy or have any particular concerns with respect to TAs? The the people from AGSEM that I was speaking to were the president and then the grievance counselor. So they represent a pretty large amount of AGSEM members. So basically what I heard from them was that there are some TAs who are maybe excited to return to in-person teaching because of lack of resources like whiteboards and other things at home that makes being a TA kind of difficult. But then there are definitely those um, TAs that have concerns, not just about teaching in person, but also commuting to campus, you know, because that's like another area for exposure. So I think it's definitely a mixed reaction from TAs. But something that they make clear is that, again, if you are uncomfortable, the union, the AXM union is really there to help you not have to go to campus if you don't feel safe in that working environment. As far as for students, again, it's a mixed reaction. I don't think anyone has kind of like a, a one feeling towards it. Uh, the, the student that I did speak to from my article she when she had signed up for her conference which now has an in-person component she didn't believe that it would be in person and she's not comfortable uh personally going to campus just because she's worried about putting her her roommates and her roommates friends like within their bubble at risk I spoke to the administration they said that these next few weeks are really just going to be about gauging interest in this so really they don't know how many students want or want to return to campus so it's just going to be kind of like a wait and see sort of situation. Thank you so much Kate you can read Kate's article Uh, we also editorialized on this you I will I can also link our editorial in my show notes. All right, so the next news segment that I'm going to go over actually follows from the conversation I just had with Kate. So I was made aware of this story as a result of some screenshotted emails posted to a student Facebook group. And these emails allege concerns that the promised COVID-19 safety protocols were not maintained during a music rehearsal earlier this week on Monday. I was able to speak to a student who attended said rehearsal, but she did wish to remain anonymous, so I will be relaying the information she gave me here. So the rehearsal in question concerned the Wind Orchestra Ensemble, who gathered for their first in-person rehearsal since March, since the beginning of the pandemic, uh, and they gathered on Monday, February 8th, which, if you recall, was the very first day McGill said that it would allow those Tier 2 activities to start. According to the email and to the student I spoke with, the imminent safety risk was the lack of plexiglass among wind wind instrument players and also between the players and the conductor. Students were allegedly promised plexiglass, but when they arrived on Monday morning, it was not set up, nor was it there at all. So those students who play wind instruments, remember, um, have to remove their masks to play their instruments. 
uh, obviously posing a droplet transmission risk for uh, COVID-19. And the student I spoke to also mentioned that she remembers observing improper physical distancing among the players at the practice as well, noting that students weren't necessarily physically distanced upon arrival or leaving their pieces. Although, as I'm about to touch on in a second, these processes have allegedly changed since Monday. The student I spoke to informed me that her ensemble has in-person rehearsals every weekday morning from 9.30 to 11 a.m. Uh, for two consecutive weeks, and then at the end of the week, they have a concert in an empty hall to try and recapture that spirit of live performance and practice that. As this is a developing story, I can't confirm whether there have been resulting COVID-19 cases from said rehearsal, but I sure hope that there aren't, and I hope that these processes are tightened. So I was able to reach out to Stéphane Lamelin, the department chair of performance at the Schuler School of Music, and while he was not able to come onto the podcast, he did issue me a statement, and it reads, We are very happy to finally be able to provide our music students with the opportunity to make music in ensembles, something that was sorely missed during our fall term experience. Tremendous effort and thought has gone into the planning of these activities. Rehearsals for our large ensembles, such as the wind orchestra, strictly follow the safety protocols established by the CNEST, which stands for La Commission des Normes d'Equité et de la Santé et de la Sécurité du Travail, or in English, the Workplace Health and Safety Equity Standards Commission, uh, and the CNEST for the Performing Arts. The statement reads again, we in fact go beyond the CNS norms and have decided to place plexiglass barriers in front of musicians whose, mu whose instruments are most susceptible to produce droplets, such as wind and brass instruments, even though this is not required by the CNS. It is true, due to an unfortunate breakdown in communication, that the plexiglass shields were not put up for Monday morning's wind orchestra rehearsal. However, in all respects, the CNS requirements were met. I was informed of the situation on Monday evening and the problem was rectified in time for Tuesday morning's rehearsal. In addition, students were reminded of the need to maintain appropriate distancing when coming and going from the stage. The protocols that are used for stage setup are the same as those used by professional ensembles in the city, such as the Montreal Symphony Orchestra and the Orchestre Métropolitain. Okay, so this wraps up the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in this week some credits. Thank you to the multimedia team, Sarah Ford and Alex Hinton for editing the podcast. Thank you to creative director Aiden Martin and editor-in-chief Helen Wu for executive productions and final touch editing. Thanks to Chloe Rodriguez, design editor, for making the podcast graphic. And a big thank you to Kate Addison, my fellow news editor, for being on the podcast and writing about the tier two rollout uh, for the news section on such short notice. So thank you again for listening and I will see you all next week.